0: This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, Craig Baird, historian and host of Canadian History X, the podcast, joins us to share stories of Canadian war heroes from all different walks of life. We learn more about indigenous veteran Tommy Prince and other fascinating Canadians who have served our country. It's also Ryan O'Donnell's birthday month, so we play a round of game showy trivia called Ryan Showy to celebrate our favorite millennial on the radio. And are you okay with Facebook marketplace and more on the shift daily podcast? This is the shift podcast. How do we get to where we are? It's always an interesting question. How do we end up here You see, you can't really end up here unless you've gone through some things. It's sort of like what we do on Good News Tuesday, right? You can't sometimes can't know the good news unless bad things have happened. My son learned how to fix his car because his car broke. So there have been a lot of good things and bad things in our individual lives, in our collective community lives, and we need to talk about some of those things. Now we do get to celebrate some amazing people with Remembrance Day. At the same time, we're celebrating the contributions of these people based on, frankly, some incredibly ugly things that may have happened to them, that happened around them, situations they were forced to be put in. How great would it be for you or for me if our legacy is a story somebody's willing to tell? I used to think that legacy was a name on a library, and maybe it is, but that name just sits on a wall unless somebody has a story to tell. Now, a great storyteller by the name of Craig Baird, Canadian history, Canada history X, is um, is the website, and it's X. It's like Canada, a with an X, but it's you pronounce it X, right? You don't. I, I pronounce it X. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm creative, by the way. I really like that. <laughs> I, it was really great. Um, so I will link at shifteds.ca to the website where you can go through and connect with all of the podcasts. And there is so much more than military history, by the way, we'll dig into that in a bit. Uh, Craig, thanks for being here. Being a storyteller is so integral. I mean, being a historian is one thing, but being able to take the list of items that happened and turn them into personality, humanity, and something worth listening to is incredible. I have learned from other storytellers that The most integral thing you have to do is leave the story as you found it. And so tell me about being a storyteller and and how you got here with the podcast.
1: Well, being a storyteller, I think comes a lot from when I used to be a journalist and I would be writing stories about, you know, a variety of things. And it's kind of where that spark of being interested in history started. But with being a storyteller, the, the mold that I try and, you know, base myself off of is Pierre Burton, because when people think of history, they often think of like, oh, it's boring, you know, there's nothing to it. And it's often presented in such a way, very academic. And what Pierre Burton did with his books was he was kind of a historian storyteller. So he'd almost tell it like it was a novel. And it made it much easier for people to enjoy the history, but at the same time learn from it. And so that's kind of how I transitioned into what I do. And especially with podcasting, it, it, you can't just be up there, you know, reciting a Wikipedia article or just going, you know, this is the facts, but ba ba ba. this happened on this day. You really got to make it interesting because you got to hold that person's attention listening for whatever it might be, 20, 30, 40 minutes. It's you know, not like a book that they can put down and come back to. And that's what I try and do with the podcasting is really try and tell a story, tell an interesting story from our history and keep people engaged, but then also wanting to listen to, Next week's episode, or going back into the archive and learning more about what Canada's history is and and where how we got to this point.
0: Uh, Pierre Burton, as a, a journalist and a writer, I mean, there's a there's a terrible model to try to <laughs> uh, model yourself after the success of. I love it; it's great. You, the storytelling though, and you have this magical way of doing it. Tell me about allowing space for the listener or the reader to insert themselves into the story. That to me seems to always be the most important part is when the person who hears the stories and you'll tell us a couple that they can see themselves in particular in the story and to bring one up specifically is the story of the bagpipes that were lost that, that you often share and how we've all lost something and we've all had a friend go away and never come back. Right, And we've all heard stories of things being found or seen items in a case somewhere, maybe in a school, and stopped and looked at all the trophies and the items and gone, oh, I wonder where that's from. I mean, these are all places where we can insert ourselves into the story you tell.
1: Yeah, I want to create for people who listen to my show. Uh, an atmosphere for them, so like you said, that they can feel like they're living it, but also see that they're not that far removed from it. The th- experiences of the people that I'm talking about, or the events I'm talking about, were just regular people like you and I, who in many cases were put into extraordinary circumstances. And like you mentioned with the bagpipes and, and James Richardson, uh you know, he loses something, so he goes into no man's land to get it, but he never comes back. And we've all kind of been in that situation where maybe a friend doesn't come back or we lose something. But especially with what you mentioned, when you're walking down a hall somewhere and you see something behind a case and there's this whole story behind it, there's this whole history to it that many people don't dive into. And that's what I like to create. I like to create that atmosphere of people listening to something, learning about something. So the next time they walk past something, they can go, wow, there is much more to this story than bagpipes behind glass case. There's, there's more to uh, delve into with this.
0: This is uh, great. Craig Baird uh, hosts uh, Canadian History X, the podcast. And can you please tell us the story, James Richardson and uh, the Battle of Anchor Heights and how his, uh, back in the day, what a target. (laughs) And I I don't want to make light of it, but of all that, like when you think of uh, not the trumpeters, but the buglers and those things in history, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's different than um, somehow bagpipes in Uh, Being a target and being loud and not moving very quickly. This was legitimately a thing and a guy who, in the chaos of trench warfare and all things, lost his bagpipes. Can you share that, please?
1: Yeah. So James Richardson is an unbelievable person because, like you said, his job was essentially to be a bagpiper and in the battle of anchor heights he was not even supposed to be part of it because it was a nighttime raid and he was like no i want to be there i want to be with my fellow soldiers and so they get hung up at some barbed wire and they're not moving forward so he gets up essentially in full view of the germans and just starts wailing away on the bagpipes like the modern equivalent would be you're up there with an electric guitar rallying people around you and like you said you might as well just be shooting off flares and having a spotlight on yourself saying, hey, I am right here. And that's what exactly what happened was they were unloading fire, but for whatever reason, never actually hit him. And he galvanizes the troops around him and they capture his objective. And then he puts the bagpipes down so that he can help evacuate the wounded off the field. And then just this horrible twist of fate that he is able to survive being up there by himself, rallying the troops. And he all he's doing is going to get his bagpipes and he never comes back and his body's never found and then the bagpipes we thought they were lost until 90 years later when they turn up in a scottish elementary school and we're able to id them and bring them back to canada but just the fact that this person can stand up there with the bagpipes he's not wearing armor he's not you know got a bunch of weapons on himself beyond maybe a rifle or a sidearm and he's just trying to galvanize everybody, and it works, and it's such a great story that unfortunately just has this tragic ending to it.
0: Yeah, it definitely has a tragic ending to it, and what a cool story to pass on and and carry exactly that, which by the way, I, um, (laughs) the electric guitar is pretty funny. You can imagine (laughs) somebody, you know, in today's world as we know, uh, standing up there, you know, letting it rip, trying to rally the troops and (laughs) and get things, you know, moving. That's, That's absolutely incredible. Okay, stories of the past. I went on a drive this summer and I was down in Niagara and there are so many different battles and things that come out of, you know, everything Niagara, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. There's um, scenes of Laura Secord, Sir Isaac Brock, um, Chippewa Battlefield is one place Mm -hmm. that I stopped, for example. And I read that entire um, piece that all the placards that are there It's an incredible place. The experience of standing there is is quite serene. It's quiet. It's by the Niagara River. It's a big old field. And the more present I got to it, the more you can kind of feel the experience of it all. Now, in the story of Chippewa, there's a bunch that goes on there. It was one of the most costly battles. It was one of the most successful, important battles of Niagara. and led up to so much. The Battle of Indigenous Folks in that particular one was one example of when I mean, the indigenous people didn't recognize any border across Niagara River, right? They were just, you know, that's part of our family or not. And when they realized they were fighting themselves in some ways, they agreed to still fight for Canada, just not against each other. Mm -hmm. And there are so many stories like that in history that we just don't understand. And these groups and these communities still chose to fight for Canada. Their only boundary was, I'm just, we're not fighting our own tribe here. We're not doing that. There are other stories that you also share beyond that, including the story of Tommy Prince, quite remarkable.
1: Yeah, Tommy Prince is a really fascinating individual. Like you mentioned, the Indigenous people of Canada have this long history of fighting either for the British Empire or for Canada, going back all the way to War of 1812 and even the Revolutionary War. And Tommy Prince is a, is a really interesting individual. Again, it has that tragic aspect to it, but he enlists, he's fighting in the Second World War. and you know, he's a very skilled as a scout. He's able to go into no man's land, or not no man's land, but behind enemy lines, and he's able to... Uh report on the Germans. At one point, he spent days in German territory reporting on the Germans. And when they started shelling a field and cut a wire, he went out there pretending to be a local farmer and he bent down to tie his shoes. But actually what he was doing was he was tying the or fixing the wire so that he could keep communicating with the Allies uh, in the distance. And then there were other times where he was able to report on a massive German force that was that allowed uh, the the allies, the Canadians, and everybody to attack. But with him in the, uh, he was able to earn the military medal and the silver star. And I think he's only one of about thirty nine Canadians who actually received both of those ones American ones, Canadian because of his service. And then after the Second World War finishes, he goes back and he serves in korea and there's a heritage minute about him because there is the tragic aspect to the fact that after he was out of the army canada more or less kind of turned their back on him and he fell on very hard times he had to eventually sell his medals just to you know pay the bills and pay for food Uh, but when he did pass away there were many high level military leaders at his funeral there were uh, members of consul generals there was the lieutenant governor of saskatchewan i believe uh, who attended uh, his funeral and he was just a, a good example of the indigenous people who rose up to fight for canada who often maybe don't get as much recognition for that during the first world war the enlistment rate of the indigenous people was extremely high in some cases every person or every male between the age of 20 and 45 on some first nations went to enlist and these people served with uh, distinction like uh, francis pigamagalbao who shot i think 350 germans as a sniper and took 300 as uh, prisoners But then the aspect of these people, or the indigenous people, is that a lot didn't get recognized for it. They didn't get Victoria Crosses for it. They didn't get a lot of medals for it, uh, except in extreme cases where it's something that couldn't be ignored, like with Tommy Prince and and getting the military medal and the Silver Star because of the immense service they provided the Allies. Craig Baird
0: is our guest. Canada History X is, uh, Canadian History X is the podcast. Canada EHX is the website um yeah you know that story is so incredible because it stretches back into canada with tommy Prince. right he was born in petersfield which is on the south end of lake winnipeg it's not a whole lot north of selkirk not far south of uh gimley where we have cat from Gimli, one of the shift heads who listens all the time so cjlb and our show rips right into that town and Not only there, uh, his community back in the day from there, sort of all the way to the Sioux, I believe, if I remember correctly from recall, I mean, heavily involved in everything to do with his community. But then you go digging into all of his successes in being a marksman and all the bits and pieces that, that he contributed to. It is interesting to hear that. I mean, this is where it comes back forward to today. This is a guy that was, you know, residential school went through all the things that we hear about of Canadian indigenous people and still fighting for our country in such a way that makes Canadians incredibly proud. And so this is one of those places where history comes full circle to where we are today, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. And, and when you mention residential school, it brings up uh, one person called Charlie Tompkins. In the United States, the Navajo co-talkers are very well known. I mean, there's a movie about them, but in Canada, very few people know about the Uh, the Cree code talkers who served and helped relay information for the allies during the second world war and Charlie Tompkins was one individual and there was this irony of the fact that he attended residential school where he was told not to speak his language and where he was had the culture you know trying to erase the culture but then the fact that he knows Cree helps helps the allies during the second world war so there's this great historical irony to that irony yeah wow hey you know, everything that you're told
0: you cannot do, by the way. We need uh, you to do Would now. you mind doing that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right now, right? Like yeah. everything that we do, we got you trouble for and and probably reprimanded you. Uh, that would really come in handy right now if yeah. you don't mind. Um, some of these archives are really great too. And I've really learned here that when you tell stories about Lieutenant Charles William Hopkins and, and all of that, it really comes full circle. I've only recently learned some new perspective on, on what is history. History, I think my thought was is that history repeats itself. And I think I've learned to stop that full circle look and just allow history to be this endless, continual thing that exists both today and yesterday. And it's just one thread and it doesn't necessarily repeat itself. It's still just happening. And it's quite remarkable. Now the podcast you can dig into with Craig is very easy to find and we will link to it from shiftheads.ca. We're going to take a little break and come back with more. I have a, a challenge for you on the spot, Craig, you ready? yeah i am one word to summarize because we'll get you to tell the story about leo major next what's the one word that we need to know and to come back and learn about badass there it is we'll (laughs) be right back with more here it's the shift this is the shift podcast i'm shane hewitt if you go to shiftheads.ca you can connect with everything that we've got going on including our facebook group where you can connect with everything to do with craig baird that's where we share these canadian history x e h x incredibly creative title is a podcast that is about so much more than just military now the invitation to start this craig was with remembrance day and everything else going on and we have more stories to share there but you have an awful lot on the podcast about canadian history in general, we've talked an awful lot about 24 Sussex, and you know, should you tear it down? Does it matter? Uh, where should it be? Is it vulnerable on that cliff overlooking the the river? Is what is it right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next door to it is this beautiful French amb- uh, embassy that is stunning and awesome and beautiful. And then there's our prime minister's house, which is basically condemned. And the history of 24 Sussex, as we've chatted it on here, has so much more to be learned. And that's just one example of a Canadian episode that you've got on the podcast. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so I actually, um, Sheila Copps came to me and asked about doing an episode on that. So I was like, you know what? This is a really interesting topic because it's in the news. We A lot of people know what 24 Sussex is, but it doesn't have the same gravitas as, say, the White House or 10 Downing Street, but there's a lot of history to it, but it it, it seems like something that some prime ministers don't even want and Canadians didn't want. I mean, when Louis Saint Laurent, who was the first prime minister to actually live in 24 Sussex, he didn't want to do it. He was not in favor of it or anything like that. He insisted on paying rent, and the prime minister used to pay rent on this place until, I think, 1971, and then that, that stopped, and it was about a third of their salary, so it was a decent amount. But there is a lot of history to it. And I don't think a prime minister will ever live there again, but I would hope that they'd preserve it as some kind of museum because we've had royalty stay there and we've had leaders around the world stay there. And there is a lot of that uh, uh, history to it. But I just don't think that it's a political football and anybody who decides to fix it up is going to be criticized for fixing it up and spending the money. But many times through our history, it, money has been spent on it. I mean, the swimming pool in the 1970s for Pierre Trudeau, uh, there was some modifications made under Brian Mulroney and Lester B. Pearson, as well as John Diefenbaker. But It's just unfortunate that it's kind of fallen to that, but that's what I wanted with the podcast episode was to really kind of show its history, show that it is a historic building dating back to 1867-68 when it was originally built. And uh, even though it's only relatively new as something that the prime ministers live in, it's still a part of our history that should be preserved in some way. Yeah, I would agree. I mean,
0: building buildings back in the day was never a profitable endeavor. Quite often, buildings were built by communities and organizations because they believed it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so it's not always. And as a Canadian, I mean, I do subscribe to the notion that, you know, our prime minister should be able to entertain and welcome people into a place, call it his home, and do business there and be safe while he's there, too. So, I mean, that's, I haven't shared that. Although, Speaking of political footballs, um, you said it, and I'm going to hand it to you. The guy who took away the rent on 24 Sussex (laughs) was Pierre Trudeau. He was prime minister at the time. He didn't want to pay rent. Um, And ironically, uh, here we are today, and his son is one of two that refused to live there. Can't really blame him for not wanting to live there in today's state of it. That's for sure. But you also have another podcast, too, where you dig into the politics of some of that from John to Justin. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that, because I talk about so much with Canadian History X, I really wanted to have something where I could just talk about political history. And so with from John to Justin, I started talking just about the prime ministers. So that's kind of where the name came from. And then I talked about the uh, governor's general, the opposition leaders, and I'm currently talking about every pro- premier of every province in our history. I've talked about every Canadian election, every Ontario election, Quebec election, Alberta election. So it's really kind of where I can just like I really like politics and the history of politics. So it's really where I can kind of throw all that in there without inundating Canadian History X with a whole bunch mm-hmm. of episodes every week. Yeah, and there are multiple options to check out there too, so if you want to give a
0: look at those. Okay, there is more to be found there, including the Edmonton tornado and uh, the story the Canadian comics during the war, the story of Superman, another great one that I listened to as well. So uh, that takes us back to this conversation about veterans and war. There were so many people that contributed to the war efforts, like comedians, like actors, like singers, like uh, moms and wives that left home to work in factories. There were so many people that we often don't talk about during Remembrance Day. Comment on that if you will. We promised we would take your badass comment about Leo Major and get to that next.
1: Yeah, so there is a lot of people in our history that aren't really focused on very much, especially say the nurses of the First World War. Somebody like Edith Montour who was an Indigenous nurse, one of the first registered Indigenous nurses in Canada, the first Indigenous woman to vote in an election. and she was uh you know she was wandering no man's land and she was exploring or not exploring uh, wandering no man's land and finding wounded troops and she was working 12 to 16 hours a day trying to find people and she lived till about like 106 like she had this amazing long life oh wow yeah so we had these nurses who just they they did so much during the war but even in the uh up to the second world war Elsie mcgill the queen of the hurricanes who was this uh, aeronautical engineer who designed the hurricane aircraft and her factory produced like 1400 of them during the second world war which was crucial to the battle of britain so there's a lot of unsung heroes in uh, in our history. And we tend to, when we think of Remembrance Day, we do tend to focus on the veterans and the Victoria Cross winners and those who definitely do deserve to be focused on. But there's Indigenous women and there's uh, other women who need to be focused on. There's Indigenous soldiers who should be focused on. And I mean, today, you know, when we're talking, it's Indigenous Veterans Day. And so it is good that we kind of try and highlight that because those things tended to get felt by. Uh, through the cracks everybody knows who billy bishop is but not everybody might know who say like you mentioned uh, tommy prince is mm-hmm. why is leo major badass well they call it, they call him today they call him the quebecois rambo because he really was i mean this was somebody who participated in the d-day landings and when he captured a german half track uh, completely by himself which contained communication equipment and secret codes One, he then went on to capture an SS patrol. And at that point, one of the SS uh, guards threw a grenade, and that cost Leo Major his eye, but he refused to be sent back to Canada, he simply wore an eye patch, he liked it, he said, kind of look, make me look like a pirate and then he still participated in the Second World War. He earned a distinguished conduct medal uh, in the Second World War uh, because he was able to capture about 100 different troops from the Germans. Uh, He was able to free an entire town more or less by himself just by loading himself up with grenades and everything and just throwing as much as he could as he walked to make the Germans think that the town was becoming overrun, and they actually left the town, and there's a Uh, I forget the exact name of the town, but he does have a street named after him there, and he's considered a hero, and he would often make many visits there before he passed away. But he then went to Korea, served in Korea, and earned another Distinguished Conduct Medal. And he's the only Canadian to earn that medal in twice in two different wars and he earned that by his defense of hill 355 when he and his troops refused to evacuate and they held the chinese off as they were attempting to take the hill uh, for three days until the uh, temporary ceasefire was signed very early in the war which allowed him to be uh, relieved but he was this amazing person who it just didn't seem like anybody could kill, and he had no fear, and wore an eye patch, had a chest full of medals, and participated in two different wars in his life. And I think the term of the a badass or the Quebecois Rambo is is definitely apt for him. I would say badass is very justified from
0: your story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, right? I feel like when he when he does something his his biceps rip his sleeves <laughs> the way you describe it. Okay, now you talk about decorated. Canada's most decorated veteran. Um pilot from Dauphin to Ottawa from Canada to the UK. Uh just a, a pilot and an ace and all the things
1: uh, William Barker. Yeah, William Barker has Many medals. I mean, he was awarded the Victoria Cross. He has the Distinguished Service Order with a bar, Military Cross with two bars. He's mentioned in dispatches, and as a pilot, he was known to be fearless. He uh, would take missions behind enemy lines and come back. And his plane would just be completely covered in bullet holes in some months he was able to shoot down you know 15 16 germans which is absolutely astounding uh one story that I I really like uh with him is that he flew flew into the german territory he Fired uh, onto their their aerodrome, blew up their planes, took down a bunch of different planes, but he also did this around Christmas, and then he more or less dropped a note saying "Merry Christmas" as he flew off after leaving this entire aerodrome in 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 flames. So he was somebody who I also think might not have had very much fear, but I really like the flying aces like him and Billy Bishop and Wop May, who were a different breed, especially back then. They're flying in the open cockpit. It's a the plane essentially just fabric and bullet holes are ripping through them, and so somebody like William Barker kind of plays into that. And like I said, is heavily heavily decorated, and uh, unfortunately dies in an accident in 1930 outside Ottawa while flying a plane. So there's this tragic aspect to this guy who did so much during the Second World War, and then dies in the middle you know in between the two wars completely by accident uh, after surviving so much
0: yeah he was shot yes. multiple times i believe right
1: oh yeah, yeah yeah he he was i think at one point he had a head wound uh like he 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 was a uh, a pin cushion for for bullets at times but he always yeah. able to survive he always came back uh wow. to to fight yeah that's crazy placards are beautiful
0: and statues are wonderful and it's really important that when given the chance you go see these things. I learned that this summer. Um just followed my followed my gut to the Chippewa bat- Battlefield and um I mean you have to understand the Chippewa Battlefield monument is nothing but a statue and a bunch of placards on a field with a few trees. I mean there's nothing there. What you learn about Canada in moments like that is so incredible. Now, a uh, Craig being a historian being a journalist you know podcast host you have been able to be present to all of the things of the past you've been doing this for a long time do you become more grateful today of where we are and and realize the integrity or uh, how integral creating these stories in a story form beyond a placard is today for everybody who maybe I'm gonna sound judgy, but I'll throw it out there. Why not? Is a little less grateful for how great we have it.
1: Is I've, that what drives you behind all this? Absolutely. I I want to show Canadians that they have a history. It was kind of essentially what Pierre Burton did. He wanted to show Canadians we have a history and we have a history that goes beyond just Confederation, the CPR, and Vimy Ridge. I mean, he did talk about all three of those things, but I want to show Canadians that we have this history that got us to that this point, all the people who came together to get us to this point. And one thing with Canadians, and it's especially true with anything to do with war or battles, and you kind of you did mention it with the Battle of Chippewa and the fact that it's an important battle, but there's a placard and some trees, like there's not a lot to it. And I imagine if you polled 100 Canadians, one or two would know about that battle. But he used was, to live there, and I didn't know about it. Exactly. And, right? So, yeah. And so I think what we as Canadians worry about is that we don't want to be like Americans and and talk about our history and talk about our accomplishments, as especially in war. Somebody like Leo Major, Tommy Prince, uh, these people deserve to have a movie about them because they, they did so much. People are surprised when they learn that somebody like James Doohan, who played Scotty in Star Trek, Fought for Canada, landed at D-Day, got shot up by friendly fire six times and lost his finger. These are just stories that we don't learn about because we we don't maybe want to celebrate our history too much because we don't want to be rah, 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 which I think we should celebrate our history and learn from it and learn about the people who got us to this point, all the steps along the way. And like you said, how good we have it, how we were able to build a pretty great country With a lot of missteps along the way, but also learning from it and building upon it. And that's what I like to do with the podcast is to show all the things that happened from pre-colonial to today to get to the point where I'm talking to you about this podcast or this episode or this subject now. Yeah. Uh, Canadian History
0: X, E-H-X, Canada E-H-X is the website, and we will link to that directly from shiftheads.ca. Introduce yourself to this. There is so much more to be found um, about the history of Canada, from people to stories to places. uh, Portia White, There's the uh, Superman story, which is really great. By the way, I didn't even know the connection Uh to the um, Toronto Star until I listened to that one, by Mm -hmm. the way. That was a new one for me. Um, Edmonton Tornado, there's the Anti-Asiatic Riots of 1907. The list goes on and on and on. Stan Rogers, you name it, there's so much to learn. Thank you for being here, Craig. Great work. I really appreciate the fact that you're putting it together, and I do love the way you do it. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. This is The Shift Podcast. That's right. It's time for Game Showy, Canada's favorite game show on the radio. It's an incredibly special Game Showy this week with your favorite radio game show celebrating content producer Ryan O'Donnell's never-ending birthday that was days ago. All of our questions are somehow related to our favorite millennial on the radio. Now, before Ryan takes a long weekend to see his bay we're gonna battle it out for points that don't matter and for the first time ever ryan will play as a contestant of game showy against his boss ship executive producer kelsey campbell now don't fret fam our questions won't be too basic they're so good they're extra and somehow they're all related to ryan so let's get lit and say welcome <laughs> to Ryan O'Donnell. Yay! Uh, thanks, Pat. Now, Now, you're <laughs> a contestant this week. I so am. So that means uh, you don't know the questions. No Shiftheads have created some of these questions. And mm-hmm. let's just get started with introducing what the game is all about. It is sure. a trivia game show on the radio. That's what we're doing. And we are playing for Lego yeah. Bricks. Only Sweet, seems appropriate for Ryan's birthday. Uh, Ryan Showy is uh, has three categories this week. The first category is very important category, by the way. This category is called "That's a typo." That's a typo, uh, of course. Uh, questions in this category are spelling bee questions. Oh no! The next category is shift heads, and shift heads are questions that come from our Facebook group as written by the shifthead community. And our third category is the uh, O'Donnell's and their clan. So one Lego brick is easy. Three Lego bricks is a much harder question. And if you get your answer right, you will hear this sound. (coughs) Perfect. If you get it wrong, you will hear this sound. I'm always
2: the passenger princess.
0: I don't have a problem with being a passenger
2: princess. I just want to <laughs> specify that. That's Very that's good. your problem, not mine.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you feel that way. And uh, we also do have a text line special as the requests have already come in on the phone line asking, will there be a text line special? Uh-huh. Yes. The text line special is a special opportunity for the shift heads to answer the question on behalf of the contestant. So if they get it right, you get the points. If the shift heads get it wrong, you do not get the points. When you select the text line special, it's going to sound like this.
3: I love the Smiths. Sorry. I said I love the Smiths.
2: That might mm-hmm. be our best one yet. That might be I, the best text line special I've, I've ever heard. Wow. I, I haven't even heard the question yet. Aw.
0: Aw. Ryan's very proud of that one. Um. Okay. You ready for the question shift heads? This one's for you shift heads and shift heads only 877 9898 In fact, it was um, submitted by Jason Vogelsang. What is Ryan's favorite NHL team? Is it a, the Calgary flames, B, the Toronto Maple Leafs, C, Montreal Canadiens, and D Vegas, golden Knights. Now, Is it A, Calgary Flames, B, Toronto Maple Leafs, C, Montreal Canadiens, D, Vegas Golden Knights, what is Ryan's favorite NHL team? Shift ads, text it in now, 877-399-9898. That is our phone number for you to submit and possibly give the correct answer to Ryan O'Donnell and Kelsey Campbell if they pick the text line special. The sound effect, once again, when you hear the text line special, is going to sound like this.
3: I love the Smiths. All right. I said I love The
2: Smiths. No. Are you ready, kids? Captain. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
1: hear you. I can Captain? Oh, <laughs> who lives in a pineapple under the sea?
0: It's Ryan Showy here on the shift. Kelsey Campbell, how are you? Welcome uh, back to the show. It's great to see you.
3: Oh, it's a thrill to be here. Um, Who's this? <laughs>
0: Celebrating Ryan's <laughs> birthday. Like <laughs>
3: this is a lot. <laughs> it's
0: a lot, yeah. I'm right, This is, is a lot, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan's never...
3: loving it. I, I wasn't love the trying show. to handle the attention, but you're doing great.
0: I thrive in the spotlight. Now, normally, um. The... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I I wanted
3: to say just about the that's a typo category
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
3: while we're celebrating Ryan. In my first week of taking over this role, I I was listening every night to The Shift and I think I beaked him like every night when you you push the that's a typo button, I, I would text him and say, you should have attention to detail on your resume. <laughs>
1: <Yep>. <laughs>
3: and I thought that was very witty. And I realized that that's probably not the most professional thing for me to yeah. be doing.
0: We <laughs> yeah. threaten your job, at- by the way, while you're working. <laughs>
2: I don't know. That's Look really at how great. far we've come. Look at how yeah. far
0: I've come. Yeah. And it's Inches. still all the same amount of typos. Yeah. <laughs> Inches is right. Okay, uh, Ryan O'Donnell's birthday. This is Ryan yeah. Showy. In some way, all of these questions relate back to Ryan O'Donnell. Now, Kelsey, okay. you are the uh, reigning champion here, but because Ryan is first time playing ever here on the shift, we uh, Ryan gets to go first pick his category and pick his question. Ooh. That's a typo, shift heads. O'Donnell and his family plan- clan. This
2: is weird. This is very strange for me. And, you know, I, I everybody assumes that I'm going to completely bungle the that's a typo question. And I need to prove you all wrong. So, Shane, mm. two Lego bricks.
0: Two. That's a typo.
3: Starting at two. Coming in hot with two. I know now,
0: my place. I know my just place. Just to be clear. In this category, it is a spelling bee category. It's something new we're doing here on the shift. And because of the fact that the other person gets to hear the word and gets more time, they can scribble it out and spell it out. If you get it right, you get the points. If you get it wrong, Kelsey gets a chance to steal the points, but with a different word. So it doesn't make it unfair. Okay? So just to be clear. That
3: sounds sounds really fair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because then otherwise, you know, Google and stuff. We don't want to get into that battle, do we? Okay. Ryan, for two Mm -hmm. Lego bricks... This is the that's-a-typo spelling bee category. Please spell this word. Okay. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. What the... <laughs> <laughs> would you like the definition? Sure, Shane. I would. That would be
2: very helpful.
0: Sure. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Opposition to the withdrawal of state support or recognition from an established church, in particular the Anglican Church of the 19th century England. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Go.
2: Fuming is the word I wish I had because I could spell that. Oh, out this one's well easy. Right Sounds This it one's out. easy, eh? I, Okay.
3: You can nail it in a spelling bee reigning Champion, so by the way.
2: A N T I disestablishmentarianism. A and T I D I S E T A B I S H M I T. T-A-R-I-E-N-I-S-M?
0: Incorrect.
3: That's I thought. <laughs> I had it. I'm
2: always the passenger princess. It's more confusing hearing it's funny your voice his than his own wrong.
3: voice. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. that's us uh, <laughs> Yeah. That's it not sounds me like saying he's it. Elated I'm about it. Yeah. All yeah.
0: right. Okay. Well, two Lego bricks. Incorrect. Kelsey Campbell, you get a spelling bee word. Uh, it's a new word. Uh, just to keep it fair. Okay. Because we mm. want this to be fair. Are you ready for your word? Thank you. Yes. Kelsey, that's a typo spelling B category. Please spell this word. Sneakers.
2: Oh, you've got to be careful. <laughs> I'm gonna throw one of my shoes out my window, right. I see how it is. Oh, I see
3: how it is. Okay. All right. That's All right. amazing. Mm-hmm. Wait. I, I'm gonna stare into like, Ryan's eyes wanna, as I do this. Do
0: you want to? Oh wow, this is hurtful. Do you want a definition, or are you okay? You know what sneakers is. I
3: think you should make us put it into a sentence. I don't think you give them a definition. You say the word, and I have to give you. You know, but no, idea. I don't think I need. I don't think I need a no. definition or have it in a sentence or have anything to spell sneakers. Okay. Now I'm questioning myself. What if I bought? Okay.
0: Yeah. S
3: N E A K E R S. That's sneakers. right. <laughs> all right two lego bricks
0: kelsey campbell why people think
2: this is rigged Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: don't know. It's oh funny wow that was how life good. comes full circle hey ryan o'donnell oops <laughs> okay uh kelsey campbell your categories are that's a typo shift heads o'donnell and the family clan
3: I was a bit choked that we were just being real soft with Ryan because it was the first time that I didn't, as the reigning champion, just get to start, but uh, it's all working out. It's all working out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm. Yeah, I want to get to know uh, Ryan and his family a little bit better. I'll go with uh, three Lego bricks with O'Donnell and his clan.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, This is an audio question. There is audio that goes with part of this question, so listen carefully, please. Ryan O'Donnell gave us the angsty character of Derek on the CBC TV show Heartland. Derek was on a ranch learning how to lasso cattle. Give this clip a listen. And roll your
2: wrist. How am I supposed to point my finger and twist my wrist at the same time? It'll come. No, it won't. This is impossible. Okay, look, I can see that you're frustrated, but you're going to have to put in a little effort here. Otherwise, you're wasting both our time. Wasting your time? My dad paid good
0: money for this. Listen, I'll work for free if you show me just a little bit of grit. Now, cowboy up, son.
2: I'll call you back. This is a waste of time. Really.
0: Cowboy up, son. Yep. Your question is this. That's so fun. Cattle ranching in Canada contributes $24 billion into Canada's GDP. And one in 30 Canadians, blank, is directly affected by cattle ranching. One in 30 Canadians, what, blank, is directly affected by cattle ranching? Is it? A, Canadians' noses. B, Canadians' plates. C, Canadians' trucks. Or D, Canadians' jobs are directly affected by cattle ranching.
3: Wow. I should, Jeez. I feel like I should know this. What an interesting way of wording this. On the nose front, want to just say um, my family is known for a pretty prolific uh, cattle feed lot. Mm. And if I mentioned the feedlot, everyone in town knew what it was because you can smell it from the highway. Nice. Uh, so it, do, I think it affects more than one in 30 Canadians' mm. noses, unfortunately, yeah. the cattle industry. Yeah. Well, we uh, see everybody
0: so, uh, listening in Brooks right now. Yeah, we know.
3: <laughs> uh I'm I'm this is a legitimate guess. I'm going to go with jobs.
0: Uh, cattle ranching in Canada contributes 24 billion dollars into Canada's GDP and 130 Canadians. Jobs is directly mm. affected by cattle ranching. Yes. Whee! Staggering number that these little cows that we have all across the country do affect, uh, it generates 347,000 jobs in Canada, directly or indirectly yielding another 3.9 jobs everywhere else in the economy because of it. Working out to almost 1.4 million Canadians working in or directly related to cattle ranching in Canada. And Ryan still can't lasso a cow.
2: No, I can't last a cow. Also, side note, I sound way too happy about my opponent getting three Lego bricks. By the I way, I know it's I'm great. To, yeah, yeah,
0: enjoy it while you can. Oh, battling it out. Okay, I'm our up. three categories are Let's do this. That's a typo. Shift heads. O'Donnell and his clan. This is Ryan Showy, and uh, Kelsey's up five, five rip right now. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're doing right. three
2: Lego bricks. Shift heads. Three Lego bricks. Three Lego bricks
0: in the shift heads category. This question was submitted by Ms. Josie on our Facebook group at this year's Calgary Stampede. Oh, remember, this is the answer given by Ms. Josie. It may or may not be the actual answer. Oh. Okay. Okay. Right. So, what color is the sky? This guy is red. The shift head said. Okay. Whatever. Miss Josie says, at this year's Calgary Great Stampede, example. Laura and Ryan waited in line <laughs> for 35 minutes to get yeah. A, an Elkaroni, elk pepperoni pizza, B, ketchup and mustard ice cream cones, C, cotton candy lightsabers, or D, a colossal onion. What did well, Miss Josie say is the right answer?
2: My guess is because I talked about it so much and, and made way too big of a deal out of trying to get it Real big deal. and talking about it on the show. It was, it was um, a lot. By the way, I made mm-hmm. a TikTok about this and it got 30,000 views. People Answer were invested. The question. Hey, in big, this. Uh, big fella. Colossal Onion, number four. Colossal Onion. Thank you. Yes,
0: that's correct. Good. Whee! Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Game show with a time Whee! limit. There. Yeah. Done. <laughs> uh, your birthday <laughs> month doesn't, isn't not a thing that you get to we have all month okay uh five to three kelsey campbell you're in this
3: do I, yeah i uh <laughs> i'm oh, gonna go going back to that's a typo um because <laughs> that was a lot of fun uh for okay. me and i'm gonna do my normal style, Ryan, if that's okay with you, and do three Lego bricks. That's a yeah, typo, please, Bob.
2: Yeah, I okay. see where the way this is wind is blowing. Okay, okay, so
0: just to be clear, this is a spelling bee category. Kelsey gets a question. If she gets it wrong, Ryan will get a different word to keep it fair. Kelsey, that's a typo. Please spell this word properly. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, because Justice. he's Scottish. I get it. No. It's all tied no.
0: in. No, he's Irish, but yeah.
3: That's uh, what I was just saying. The whole Irish connection oh, with yeah. Scotch.
0: It, right? that, well, yeah, yeah, that's the irony. We'll get to that part in a second, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, he's not very uh, faithful <laughs> to be Irish with his love for Scotch. Brooke Lottie, by the way, is his favorite.
3: Oh, look at this. Love affair. Um, S-C-O-T-C-H. Yes! Scotch. Wee!
0: Yeah. Uh, Ryan, would you like to take a crack at your word and see if you can get some free points out of this as a bonus? Is it
2: L-E-G-O? Is that is that my word? No, you're playing for Lego. No. Fine. What's my word? Let's hear it. Your,
0: Ryan, your word is sesquipedalianism.
2: Oh. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> it's a word I use every day, actually. Sesquipedalianism.
0: Well, <laughs> given to or characterized <laughs> by the use of long words. Uh-huh. Susquipped alienism. Would you like to spell it? Uh-huh.
2: Squip. Okay. I can't S- for you. It. It's S-E-S- awesome. S-E-S Quip? No, that's
0: wrong already. You can just hit the button.
2: S-E-S. Q.
0: It's S-U-S. Just hit the thing. Hit the no.
2: Wrong. I'm All always right. the passenger princess.
0: Is it though? S oh oh you yeah. hey, you know what? That's Is funny. S-E-S. It is because okay, I know okay, sus, okay.
2: That's that's millennial. All right, so, okay,
0: you're right. SES is right. I was looking at the pronunciation, the the phonetic spelling. Okay, you're right. Okay, you go. Okay, Susquip, okay. Try again. <laughs> <Susquipedalianism>. My bad. Sisquipedalianism. <laughs> yeah. Keep after S- it. Okay. Sisquipedalianism. S E
2: S Q U I P. I D E L I A N I U S M.
0: No a
2: passenger princess
0: uh, i tried <laughs> all right all right uh, currently kelsey is up eight uh-huh. to two celebrating right eight to three celebrating ryan's birthday uh, kelsey you're up
3: no that was mine no, it's that my i just turn. got
0: it's oh it's my turn. <laughs> turn come on jeez oh right my apologies i'm not good at hosting this this is harder than yeah, i thought uh, a ryan better. you go ahead yeah. good luck
2: <laughs> thanks um let's do uh o'donnell and my clan for for two for two
0: okay ryan's parents like many young couples make beautiful music together in their youth their names are john and michelle which famous couple made this music together
2: yeah
1: i'm going to jackson look out jackson town
2: we'll go-
0: All right. Who made that song? Is it A. Kenny and Dolly, B. Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash, C. Sonny and Cher, or D. Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand?
2: Oh, Easy Peasy. B. That's Johnny and June Cash. Yes, that's right. Whee!
0: Yay! All right, I'll give you one pity point as a bonus. Oh. Um, what's the title of that song? Um, I don't Jackson. Yes, that's right. Come yes. on. Come oh, come on. on. Save your come ons yeah.
2: for when you have to sell. So, cuadibu, debu, 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 I love okay? that you just
3: come on to my come on with like <laughs> annoyance. Come on with your come ons. <laughs> yeah.
0: The uh, Oh, man. This is good stuff. I like this. Mm-hmm. This is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, just so we uh, don't throw too much shade at each other. <laughs> Here on Game Show, it is currently 8 to 5, and we are almost out of time Kelsey I need you to uh let's get our text line special shall we to to finish this off so we can get that for for everybody let's uh hit the thing
3: I love the Smiths
0: sorry
3: I said I love the Smiths
0: I feel better now yeah do you really Mm -hmm. said nobody ever (laughs) <laughs> okay, here's your question. What is Ryan's favorite <laughs> NHL team? A, Calgary Flames. B, Toronto Maple Leafs. C, Montreal Canadiens. Or D, Vegas Golden Knights. And not everybody actually got it right. Um, just really? to be clear, there was actually a couple of Toronto Maple Leafs. But I think those were sent in as a bit of a burn. And I think Glennie sent so. one after you lost the bet last year. And had yeah, to wear a Leafs jersey. The correct answer, thank you all the shift heads who did get it right, is C, Montreal Canadians. Yes. we. Yeah. Ah, nice. So I just got
3: that? It was. Yeah, you got that. That's yep. for you. More in fa-
0: yeah, that was
2: all,
3: all right. for you.
0: Cool. Yeah. It's all for me. Yes.
3: Ryan Shoei, celebrating yeah. Kelsey Campbell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, in order to celebrate the end of Ryan Showy properly congratulations to ryan o'donnell for showing up we'll give you our favorite millennial a participation ribbon for participating here on ryan showy the final score was i need more fingers 10 to 5 6 because ryan got a pity point pity point pity point congratulations Ryan O'Donnell your very first um your very first game showy well yeah. done thank yeah. you thank happy you. birthday fair and balanced yeah. there
3: was something about you ween my right answers that just it took me down I couldn't pull myself together it was great
0: it's too bad right. you guys didn't do the uh, spelling bee for the for one Lego brick um, it's this question. It's the O'Donnell clan came to us uh, in Canada from a town called Donegal in Northwest Ireland. Their castle, Donegal Castle, was built in 1474 by Red Hugh O'Donnell. Ryan's word was Donegal. Kelsey's word was Castle.
2: E J F A L Donegal. I can spell you did. that
0: one. Congratulations, you got that right. Yay! This is the Shift Podcast.
3: Are you, are you,
0: are you, okay, okay, Okay. are you okay with 877-399-9898, that is our phone number here for your text, share your thoughts on these stories, Ryan O'Donnell's in downtown Calgary, I'm Shane Hewitt, I'm in the city of Airdrie on the north side of Calgary, and um, let's get started, are you okay with consultants,
2: Um. I like the idea of a consultant. I like the idea of, hmm, I'm stuck. I'm going to hire somebody to give me some uh, thoughts. Although the amount of money that people spend on consultants that usually don't really do much is incredibly frustrating. And it seems like the kind of job you do if you're
0: rich and a little bored <laughs> and use your money a as a bored. way to be like, Hey,
2: I've got advice.
0: Uh, yeah. I think it's a great way to bring in um, an expert who uh, probably has a, uh, Uh, situation um, uh, that you are new to something you haven't run into or whatever, right? This is an incredibly important thing. And so bringing in a consultant, they can have new eyes. They're not wrapped up in, I don't know, uh, bureaucracy of your company. They're just there to say you're wasting time and money by doing it this way. So from that perspective, I think consultants are really great. I mean, they're really, but I mean, in some ways it's too much. the, The federal government, um, $17.7 17.7 billion dollars in 2022 they spent on consultants the people that we elected to run the country spent 17.7 billion dollars in 2022 in consultants now that seems like a lot right
2: yeah it is a lot uh, that is
0: up billions it's a lot i mean for all the things and places that need money in this country these are the kinds of consultants that they are they're bringing in um to pay for it now the the amount of money that's gone up is a lot um Oh, they've got the, uh, uh, I lost my number. Sorry here. $60.7 billion personnel costs, everything else. I'm going to get that number. So I get it exactly right. Oh, there you go. 10.4 billion spent when the liberals took over 17.7 billion spent last year. So it's almost doubled. The people that we pay, we, our taxes pay their salaries to run the country. They've doubled the amount that they hire other people to do their job. Amazing. Anyway, Alberta, where we live, has a very high profile consultant heading over for a very big event. Now, it's not necessarily confirmed to be consultancy. Now, what we saw with Alberta in the past during the pandemic was bringing in some very strange people to, to talk to. Mm-hmm. This is a paid event to hear Tucker Carlson chat. Now, Tucker Carlson is from Fox News, and he got fired, and he has openly been caught lying and saying things to just inflame audiences that he might not even believe in. So, But he's famous, and he's being paid in for a luncheon. And so who do you bring to sit down and have a conversation? Well, there'll be a local business person who's going to have a conversation uh, with Tucker Carlson in Calgary, and then he's going to have a conversation with Premier Daniel Smith, so Tucker Carlson, yeah, hit the thing.
2: The green Eminem, you will notice, is no longer wearing sexy boots. Now she's wearing sensible sneakers. Why? The change? Well, according to Eminem's quote, we all win when we see more women in leading roles, because leading women do not wear sexy boots. Leading women wear frumpy shoes. The frumpier the better. That's the rule m ms will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous.
0: That's Tucker Carlson. Yep. Now, he's been on TV for a long time. He's very famous, and he's being paid to come in. He was fired from Fox uh, April this year, but a week after the company agreed to pay Dominion Voting Systems nearly $800 million dollars. Fox's company to settle a defamation case of what they said on the TV that was lies. He had been Fox's top rated host before he was fired. His grievances and political theories grew to define the network over the bunch of years that he was on there and made him influential in all sorts of American politics. He had previously come under fire for depending on white supremacist theory. Uh, that claims white people are being replaced by people of color, as well as spreading misinformation about issues ranging from the January 6th attack of the U.S. Capitol and Russia's war in Ukraine. He's also occasionally targeted Canada and its uh, liberal federal government uh, on his show and was a vocal supporter of last year's Freedom Convoy movement. Opposition NDP leader Rachel Notley said Tucker Carlson has attacked Ukraine and made disparaging remarks about women and endorsed an attempted at uprising related to the presidential election in the United States. There is a petition saying that um, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau should deny Carlson's entry into Canada. (laughs) Is there anything more woke than trying to deny somebody from coming to speak at a lunch? Yeah. Yeah, it might be Um, a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's getting paid to come for a lunch. The the question mark for me, though, as an Albertan anyway, and I think that the rest of Canada watches Alberta kind of with a bowl of popcorn a little bit, right? And a joke about truck nuts. And it it it's interesting. I don't know why the premier would sit down to have a conversation with Tucker Carlson. I think that that one's a bit of a landmine. It is. And especially
2: because since getting fired, he's been a bit of a laughingstock online. Like his shows on Twitter are a complete mess. He's chatting with only like conspiracy theorists. It's like Alex Jones level of nonsense. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not
0: sure who... Like why him? Why are you reaching out to him
2: after all this? Well, they
0: Isn't didn't just, they, this. You got to be careful here, right? Because it, it it doesn't mean that the Alberta government's putting on the event. It's a no, private event. No, I know event. that part. I know. So so you and I could go hire whoever we want, right? Um. So it's a private event that you can go hear Tucker Carlson. He's going to get interviewed. Daniel Smith is going to go and be on stage and share the stage in conversation with him. So it's not necessarily, as far as I've been able to read and I've read a bunch of things, it's not being put on by Daniel Smith. It's not Daniel Smith's invitation, as far as I know, for him to come here and consult with them, per se. But influence is influence. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to bring in a bunch of people and a big audience. And I'm assuming that's why she's there. And he is a conservative talking head. But he's just so off the charts. Like he's openly lied and said that he doesn't even like the whole Trump thing. I don't even like the guy, but then sat there and pumped his tires for years in order to help him win. So the, you know, conservatives could win down in the States. So it has nothing actually to do with the government paying him to come here. As far as I understand it, it's just unrelated, but she's going to share the stage and that part I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah. So, um, no, Tucker Carlson is not consulting for Daniel Smith. All the text messages now coming in. Um, see, the, and this is this is a good example of what this creates. Although this is so wildly wrong, I can't believe you'd even say it. There's actually a text here, and we don't do mean texts on the show, but it actually says this: "Are Albertans truly scum?" Is actually a text message that comes from BC, right? And so, first of all, that is flippant and rude. Um, imagine just. Drawing a conclusion on an entire province because of one person, but that is so childish. And but yet you invite this kind of response when you bring inflammatory into your into your nest, right? Mm-hmm. So Tucker Carlson coming to speak, don't care, whatever, good. Probably would be interesting. I know it wouldn't pay, but if I got offered a free ticket to go, I would go just to hear what he has to say. You don't get the kind of profile that he has without being smart in some way. So I'd be curious to see if that represented itself, but to go and share the stage with a premier with somebody who was fired for lying. I I don't know if that that's a a fair ball. So yeah, I don't, I don't get it. We'll see what comes of it. I can tell you this is that comments like that are flying around because of um, the fact that the Alberta premier says that they've released, there's going to be on uh, that stage. So we'll see, see where it goes. But just to be clear, he's not a paid consultant, as far as we know. Um, that was just a... Yeah. No. Are you okay with Facebook Marketplace? Um. Could probably buy I've tickets for Tucker Carlson. Stuff. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I've sold a lot of stuff on Facebook Marketplace. I've been able to cycle through... Lots of, oh, this collectible I don't really want anymore, like this one, or put this money towards this. It's been super useful. However, dealing with people on that platform is like trying to pick a one-on-one fight with a troll in like a YouTube comment section. It's so frustrating. Just getting ghosted all the time. Hi, is this available? Where in the city are you? I'm here. Where are you? Never hear back again from them. You know, it's just, uh, it's... uh,
0: I think that's a Facebook problem because they have that high as this available button, right? And they just want engagement. Facebook doesn't care. I I think that it's incredible. It's incredible. It depends on how you manage the people. I always reply back. I'm always nice. And then you can tell who's serious really quick, right? So aside from wasting your time with the replies, not very often do people not show up. And then I just block them if they do. It's not that big of a deal. I sell things on there all the time. I have an entire... Room in my garage there that's full of things that need to be sorted, photos taken, and sold online. But you can get almost anything you want on Marketplace. In fact, you can actually get other people's stuff for sale by the wrong people. That's what I always worry about. Wait a second. This deal's too good to be true, right? A driver working for Amazon has been arrested after being accused of failing to deliver packages and selling them on Facebook Marketplace instead.
1: We believe approximately $2,200, so $2,200 in this instance that we know of.
0: According to the Burnaby RCMP, Amazon was initially suspicious of the driver back in September and began a thorough internal investigation. It was believed the driver was, instead of delivering the packages, simply keeping them and trying to resell them on Facebook Marketplace. The RCMP was eventually called in patrol units with the assistance of the prolific offender suppression team Track the suspect and the packages, returning some of them to their rightful owners.
1: Initially, there were I think there were 32 uh, believed to be stolen. Um, once the charges are finalized, I'm sure that number will be a little different because we don't know for sure uh, if we were you know if we got them all back or if there's some that are still out there.
0: The Vancouver man, by all appearances, was working alone. All right. I'm, okay, so you have all these great things. Hey, Why not sell them?
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is wild. Bold play. He was really confident that he was going to get away with that.
0: Well, there is this technology thing, right? Yeah, technology. That tracks them. I I would assume that this person has never ordered anything off of Amazon.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. Investigators obtained a residential search warrant and arrested the driver for 32 counts of theft and found the outstanding stolen items. Police said charges against the driver are pending beyond high alert as porch pirates love Black Friday, by the way. I don't know. I, um, yeah, I love shopping online. It's way too convenient. And it's become so convenient now when I come home and there's a package on the front step. I'm like, "Ooh, I wonder what that is. Like, I don't even know anymore. (laughs) Before it was, I knew exactly what was coming and when. I do try to go support the local stores first. I think that's important. Are you okay with getting married? Oh,
2: yeah, one day. Definitely. 100% one day for sure. Um, Man, rings are expensive. I can see why more and more people in my generation are rethinking wedding traditions. Uh, like instead of a diamond, I will do this ring or this gemstone. Uh, Instead of this venue, we will do it in our backyard, like just finding cost saving measures to make it more uh, realistic, because there are a lot of people my age that want to get married, but like financially can't. And so it's been interesting to see you get a lot of stuff on TikTok, at least I am of uh, people finding really fun ways to save money, but do it in a way that's not like cheap. Do it in a way that's genuinely interesting and also thoughtful and, you know, creating something special out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, you gotta, I think it's important. I think the, the partnership is important. I think we should talk to our kids and young people more often about what is marriage and what do you want it to look like? You know, what mm-hmm. do you want your relationship to look like when you're old? What do you want your partner to look like? It's not about, Hey, she's hot. Let's get married. Right. I wish that there was more conversation like that Mm. now a lot of people choose to get married a scenic romantic destination that's nice too I I think if I ever get married again which I would like to it's um it's gonna be pretty quiet (laughs) it's pretty small group (laughs) not like the 300 and some we had at the last one for one couple from Philadelphia uh, there was one place only one place that would be romantic enough for them at an Eagles football tailgate party
3: Saying I do outside of the link, Eagles fans Brooke and Rob tie the knot this afternoon at a tailgate ahead of the Eagles-Cowboys game. They said their vows in lot in, complete with custom-made Kelly Green jerseys, of course. They even made their save-the-dates look like game tickets. This couple took Philly fandom to another level. Congratulations to these newlyweds.
0: That's from CBS. The couple loaned some of their luck to the team. The Eagles beat the Cowboys 28-23. Do you think that as a young person, you know, you dream of that? It's. I realize that you see it at hockey games, for example, here where someone proposes at a hockey game. And I suppose it is possible that that couple loves hockey so much, but I feel like it's probably more one way than the other.
2: Yeah, I would say no. If it happened to me at a hockey game, I would say no. I'd be like, nope. You can try again in a month. <laughs> it just—it's always so awkward, like those big giant, per, like in public proposals. Yeah. And even if, unless it's like this, where this couple, their entire identity, are the Philadelphia Eagles. Like it's just they They got married in jerseys at a tailgate mm-hmm. beside mm-hmm. a barbecue that was in the back of a Ford F one fifty. Like that, that's their life. Well, and so that would be their favorite there. thing. And that's
0: cool. I just, I just, I just don't know if it's, um, I, that's a part of that. I think it's like, if that's their favorite thing, right? I mean, Ryan would probably love to get married at a Smith's concert. And, but for Ryan, that would be awesome. And Ryan's allowed to do that. Would you ever get, is there one thing that you and Laura share that like you love Lego, but is there anything like that, that would be that corny? Mm-hmm. That corny? Ooh. i was trying to think about it for Mel and I, and I don't think if there's a whole oh, lot of... That corny for us. Mm,
2: no, like there's places that are really special to us, but there's no like... Uh, I would never like ask Laura to like get married to like a concert or anything like that. Maybe mm. it's like an after party thing. But for us, it's like lots of little nuggets of corny. not yeah. Not so much one giant thing that we share yeah matching
0: fanny packs kind of stuff
2: yeah exactly yeah and that's actually how the ring bearer is going to carry the rings at my wedding it'll be in a fanny pack
0: ryan's got it all figured out Mm -hmm. uh for me the only thing i could really go with today would probably be a liquor store (laughs) and that doesn't say much does it oh my god anyway um look love is beautiful everyone gets to celebrate their thing as they like that's the best part